you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. When I was 16 years old, my parents decided that for Easter weekend, we would go to Charleston, South Carolina, a beautiful city, one of the most beautiful places on earth, in my opinion, a city filled with history, wonderful old architecture, a city where my grandmother was the featured soloist at two churches at the same time. She used to sing at one and then have to run out across the street and sing at the other. And um, in any case, just a a marvelous uh, uh, city with wonderful history. And while we were there, um, the Lord impressed on my heart that there were some people he wanted me to talk to about Jesus. And so I went out walking the streets looking to find those folks. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know how I was going to recognize them. I hadn't really given a lot of thought as to what I would say or how I would start the conversation, but nevertheless, I felt that I needed to obey the Lord, so I started walking down the street. And people would walk toward me, and I would ask the Lord, is that who I'm supposed to talk to? And got no encouragement from the Lord, so I'd keep walking. And someone else would be coming along, someone else would be standing here, and just again and again and again walked past all kinds of people, walked all over the place. And uh, finally gave up and started walking back to the hotel, because I figured, well, maybe I heard wrong. So as I was walking back to the hotel, I stopped in a little delicatessen. This is Saturday night before Easter morning. Stopped in a little delicatessen, and um, I saw these two teenage guys walking out as I was walking in. And the Lord said, that's who you're supposed to talk to. Well, now, suddenly, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. So I said to them, "Um, uh, do you know where the Dr. Pepper is? You know, that's always a good way to start a spiritual conversation. Um, And uh, they didn't say a word. They just went, There was a huge Dr. Pepper display right next to me, which really now established me with these guys as a person who was filled with wisdom, insight, and awareness of his surroundings. And so I said, oh, thanks. So I took a Dr. Pepper off the display. They walked out the door, and I thought, well, so much for that. So I walked up to the counter, and the gentleman who was standing behind it punched in the numbers and I thought, well, perhaps since I didn't get to talk to them, I can talk to him. Still not having a plan, I just said first thing that came to mind and came out of my mouth. I said, uh, so are you going to be in church tomorrow? And the moment the words came out of my mouth, before the gentleman said a thing to me, I realized, he's Jewish. Probably not going to be in church on Easter Sunday, okay? I mean, now there are some wonderful Jewish believers. I have many friends who are Jewish believers. This guy was not one of them. 
And uh, so he looked at me and he goes, and I said, oh, right, okay, well. Um, and I paid him, and I'm walking out of the place feeling totally defeated, totally stupid, totally useless. I, you know, I finally get to witness to somebody, I blow it. I try to talk to somebody else, I blow it. So I'm walking outside the door, and the two guys that the Lord had told me I was supposed to talk to were sitting on the window ledge outside drinking their soft drinks. Well, not having come up with a better introductory line, I asked them the same thing that I had asked the guy inside, and that is, so are you guys going to be in church tomorrow? And they, being good southern boys, said, uh, yeah, yeah. And I just was blessed by the Lord with what followed. I said, really? Don't you know what's happening there tomorrow? He said, no. I said, tomorrow is Easter Sunday. People are gathering there and professing that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. People don't come back to life, do they? No. <laughs> and I said, but you know what's even more amazing? I said, it's true. He did come back to life. He's alive right now. And you can know it. And so they, one of them spoke up and said, well, obviously you've got something to say. <laughs> Tell us. How do you know? And I began telling them how I know that Jesus is alive. And as we talked, a couple of their friends walked up and said, what's going on? And they said, listen to this guy. And so I continued to talk and their friends listened. Well, now we had a congregation of four. And pretty soon there was someone else who came along and then some others. And we ended up with a large crowd in the street on Saturday night before Easter in Charleston, South Carolina. Right outside of Jewish Delicatessen. Now, it was a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel. And I was thrilled to be able to proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's alive right now. And you can know him in a personal way. But as I walked back to the hotel afterwards... I'm thinking, you know, who knows what's going to come of that? Who knows if it's going to make any difference in anybody's life? And the Lord gave me this passage. So I want us to look at it together today. Matthew chapter 13. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying... A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. 
and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I was very grateful that God spoke that to my heart after I'd been out sharing because on the one hand, I was very excited that God had given me the opportunity to share not just with those two young men, but with really what turned into a pretty large crowd. God sent folks to hear the message. But I don't know their names. I didn't live in Charleston. We were leaving town the next day. I was just a kid. I was only 16 years old. I mean, I didn't have an organization. I didn't have a mailing address. Just write to me, Jim Wood, Montreat, North Carolina. That's all the address you need. You know, I, what was I going to do? But you see, when you share the gospel, God is still going to be in Charleston, South Carolina. There was one little kid who came along. I mean, he was a little kid. These other guys, I was 16. These other guys were probably 14, 15, 16 themselves. And uh, the people who gathered were probably up into their 20s, others who were in their teens. Uh, but there was this one kid who came. I mean, a kid like some of you. I would say he was probably eight, nine. He had a filthy mouth, <clears throat> and his heart expressed 
what was in it through his mouth. He spoke blasphemies. He mocked the gospel. He mocked God. He didn't just mock me. He said horrible things about God. The next morning, I was in church, and the choir came filing in. Guess who was helping lead the choir? A cherubic little boy with curls and a robe and a sash, and it was him. He told me the night before that his name was Jesus. That wasn't his name. So as he walked by, not seeing me, when he got right up to me, I said, good morning, Jesus. And he looked up and looked like he was going to be the first eight-year-old to have a heart attack right on the spot. You see, God put him in my path. I could have been seated any number of places, but God had me seated right where that little boy was going to be walking past on my side. And let me tell you, it was another opportunity for him to be reminded that God is real and Jesus is alive and that you may mock, but you can't get away from God. Now, in this story, Jesus talks about four types of soil. How many of those soil types are going to yield a harvest? Not the first one. There are a lot of people like the first one. They hear the message and it just goes zing. They hear it, but they don't really hear it. Jesus says there are people who have shut their eyes. They see, but they don't see. They don't perceive. They don't recognize. I had walked into a delicatessen and I asked these guys, where's the Dr. Pepper? There's a huge display right next to us when I asked the question but I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at them, and I was missing what I said I was looking for. There are a lot of people who don't even know what they're looking for, and what they're really doing is distracting themselves from what they need to be looking at. There are lots of people who have closed their eyes to the truth. They don't read their Bibles, they're not seeking after God. They're not hungry for truth. They're hungry for distraction. Something to keep their minds off of what they know down deep. We live in a culture that is saturated with distractions. People who've got earbuds in while they're doing something different here, and both of them are just distractions. It's all about trying to make sure that I never have to get quiet and face the reality I'm running from. Jesus says they're like hardened soil. The seed hits it, but it doesn't penetrate. Jesus says Satan is like the birds of the air that come and snatch that seed away. Because the enemy does not want the seed to penetrate. If the seed's allowed to lie there, it can sometimes work its way in. But the enemy comes, distracts people from the truth, so that it never really registers with them. But then there are those who are like 
the rocky soil. No depth, but because it's shallow, the seed isn't planted deeply. It's just there below the surface. There's an immediate response. This is like working with children and youth. <laughs> Are you saying we're not very deep? Yeah, I'm saying that. But that's okay. That's okay. The fact of the matter is, there are a lot of people of every age who, when they hear the truth, they're moved. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yes, that's what I want. Definitely. Sign me up. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning. Sorry. What? Oh, no turning back. That's right. Why do we sing songs like that? Because there's a tendency for us to turn back. We are prone to say yes and then no. A lot of people who hear the word, get excited, and don't persevere because there's not any depth. Let me tell you, you need to pray that God will put his word deep in your heart. Not just on the surface, not just under the surface, down deep. Because that's what you need in order to have lasting change in your life. Ask that God will drill down deep and place his word in you. But then there's a third kind of soil. It's a soil that tragically represents many, 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 many people who are considered to be good Christians, even leaders in churches and ministries. They sincerely believe the word. They believe it's true. Jesus describes them this way. The man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. In other words, it puts down roots, it puts up shoots, but it's in competition with other stuff. Do you remember what we said about writing God a blank check every morning? If you have other stuff in your life that is essential, I mean, you know, certainly I want to follow God, but I also want to be sure and hang on to this and be sure and do that and I've got a bucket list over here of things I need to do before I die. Okay? You're going to be unfruitful. Because if Jesus is one of the most important things in your life, you don't know Jesus the way you need to. Well, okay, let me revise my remarks. Um, Jesus is the most important thing in my life. Well, that's an improvement. But it's still not where you need to be. Apostle Paul says, Jesus is my life. He is my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I honestly do. If I had to choose between my wife and my kids, I take my wife. My, my kids know this. And hopefully it gives them some security because if they're in competition with my wife, we don't have a very good marriage. And if we don't have a very good marriage, my kids are going to suffer. So my kids hopefully know that even though 
my wife and I sometimes have to discuss things to work things out. They derive a wonderful security from the fact that mom and dad are committed to each other for life. Got it? That's the way it's supposed to be. But the reason I married that particular woman and one of the reasons I'm so committed to her is because she was the first person I ever dated who clearly loved Jesus more than she would ever love me. And that's what I was looking for in a mate because I knew that that's the only kind of person who would understand and appreciate the fact that I clearly love Jesus more than I love her. Got it? Now, in your life, it's perfectly fine to love other people. You're supposed to. It is perfectly fine to enjoy the gifts that God has given us. I love the mountains. I love the valleys. I love the rushing streams. That's all good. But if God says, I want you to move to Saudi Arabia, you say, okay. Where in Saudi Arabia? And if God says, I'll show you when you get there, you say, okay. When do we leave? The seed that fell on good soil produced a harvest. Good things come when you cut out the competition. When you get rid of all the other stuff that's trying to get your attention and say, you know, what about me? What about me? When you cut that stuff out, it's amazing what can grow up. Because God's word is powerful. It's alive, folks. It doesn't just have life in it. It is the transforming power of God. And God's word will change you and produce in and through you wonderful, powerful, beautiful things. So, Jesus said, the reason that these folks are getting parables, the reason it's not penetrating, the reason they don't understand is because they have closed their eyes. Verse 15, Jesus says, they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But, verse 23, the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Is that a description of your life? What have you done with what you've received? So, I, don't, I don't know how. You start by desiring the sincere milk of the word. And God's word will begin to change you from the inside out. If you want to be filled with the spirit, if you want to be under the control of God, then you need to fill your life with his word. Because his word will change you. His word will produce a crop in your life. If you'll embrace what God says, just believe what he says and begin putting it into practice. So I, I don't understand it all. Well, obey the part you do understand. 
Mark Twain is quoted as having said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do understand, okay? That's what most of us have trouble with. We want to come with our questions. Well, you know, what about people who've never heard? Well, does that include you? Oh, no. Well, then let's deal with you. Why, why don't we do that first? Okay. Well, I'd rather think about something else. I'd rather be just... God's Word will change you if you will embrace what God says. Believe and obey. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.